Thursday Finance for our sponsor, Pritchard and Partners. Stephen Pritchard with us and, uh, oh, V8s, they're sort of simmering along in the background there, are they? Coming well, as, as we mentioned a couple of weeks ago on the, this program, there, there's concern about the financial viability of the uh, V8 supercars that are coming to Newcastle. And, and, and in the last uh, week, it uh, has kind of heated up a bit. And now it's now turned out that it was originally offered to Gosford Council, who rejected it because the the project's completely unviable from Gosford Council's point of view. And and Newcastle City Council still hasn't released any uh, um, business case analysis to show why it's why it's going to be profitable to the uh, city. And, 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 you know, there's going to be a lot of disruption and, and parkland's going to be dug up and, you know, the whole thing is just a complete fiasco. We do. We should really have the full facts in front. We should of us, have the we? full facts because before the, the council signed up to, which appears the council signed up to commit the ratepayers of Newcastle two million dollars a year in uh, commitments, and this is the council that claims that rates have to go up because they can't afford to main existing, maintain existing infrastructure. I mean, you know, there's there's questions here that the the council needs to uh, address. I mean, the rates in Newcastle are now uh, higher than Hunters Hill. Mm. You know, why is that the case? At this stage, let's take a look and see what our commodities and our currencies are doing right at We've the moment. We've got something less controversial. <laughs> okay, the the gold price the gold price has uh, kind of fallen, surprisingly, over the last couple of weeks to uh, fifteen hundred ninety three dollars an ounce, and it originally went up on the um, you know, it kept trending up when everyone thought Donald Trump was going to be elected and all sorts of things were going to happen. Well, uh, ever since then, after he has actually been elected, the price is uh, continuing to drop. Um, um, you know, three weeks ago, it was $1,700 an ounce. It's down almost $100. Um, the silver price has been uh, um, up margin on the week to $22.39, and the uh, nickel price was down 5.7% to $14,735 a tonne. Um, the Australian dollar um, um, continues to fall against the US dollar and, and most other world currencies. So so today we're down to 73.95 cents. Um, so they're not good news for any people who are going overseas and hasn't already bought some currency. Um, against the Great British Pound, we're down uh, 0.6 to 59 uh, pence. The euro, we're 69.79 euro cents. And against the Canadian dollar, we're 99.24 cents. Uh, Why would we be dropping against the world's currencies? Well, I don't know we're all dropping. I think what's happening is the the um, the 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 US dollar is actually going up after the election of Donald Trump contrary to um, contrary know, to uh, so many economic it forecasts. Goes up, it goes up and we go down. And we go down. Um, okay. so um, the Great British Pound's also strengthening after you know, the initial fall after Brexit, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's continuing to rise and now people are actually saying it's going to be extremely positive for the UK to uh, exit the euro. Yeah, it still remains to be seen, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, well, it still remains to be seen. So, so it just shows, I mean, the truthful answer is a lot of these forecasts are nothing but guesses. And, yes, and, and in a lot of cases, your guess is as good as mine. But it affects our currency when we actually come to, uh, yeah, to change yeah, it. So, right. yes, fair yeah. enough. And uh, the oil ordinaries market is um, the oil ordinaries uh, is down um, about one percent to the week to five thousand five hundred and two points, which is really near the here or there. Uh, the U.S. Dow market is um, up 
uh, marginally by 0.2 to 19,193. Um, the UK index was down half a percent to 6,783. And the uh, Hang Seng, which is uh, the Hong Kong index, was um, 22,799, which is up 0.5%. Uh, the WEX Texas Intermediate Crude was uh, $60.44, which is down $6 a barrel. Um, that's on, there was a recent announcement that OPEX are going to attempt to uh, restrict supply, so that seems to have had the opposite effect. Um, and the unleaded oil price in, uh, the unleaded uh, fuel price in Newcastle was a $1.23 a litre, which is down 0.7%. In Sydney, it's $1.06 per litre. I was in Sydney yesterday, I should have filled up. <laughs> 17 cents a litre difference. That is a big difference. A big difference. <laughs> and the holiday season's coming up, so do you think we'll get to $1.30 a later, Joan? Mm, no comment from me, yes. but we'll keep our eyes yeah, open we'll on that. Eyes <laughs> and the diesel price is pretty much twenty-one in Newcastle and twenty in Sydney. So that's mm. our commodities and that's markets ran up for the week. Time for our market snapshot on Thursday Finance. And Henry Jennings, Senior Commentator with Marcus Today Financial Newsletter, joins us. Stephen Pritchard. Henry. Stephen, how are you? I'm good. I'm, That's you know, the, the, everyone's starting to organise Christmas functions and things. And yes, I'm going to my first one tonight. Ah, me too. Yeah. Me too. So, yes. I, seems... I don't have very many to go to, unfortunately, but... Uh, don't you? No. Oh, if you what? come up here, I've got a few invitations you can have. <laughs> I must admit, I'm getting a bit old for Christmas parties well, these days. There's a two in your hour one. I could get you an invitation. Yes, indeed. Oh, that'd be good. That'd be very big, I'd imagine. Yes. I'd suggest you have to stay overnight. Too. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so a, few, a few people down at AMP won't be having a... Well, I suppose it depends how much redundancy money they're getting. Uh, yeah. uh, Christmas uh, uh, shake-up, thanks to a uh, management shake-up. Yeah, well, AMP's been struggling, I guess, um, in the last few months. Um, the CEO, Craig Mellor, has certainly been under pressure to perform, and the company share price has not been doing that. They've had some serious issues with their uh, wealth business and their life business as well. Um, and as a result, there's been a bit of a shake-up with, uh, with the management team, and medical Pauline Blight-Johnson has left the company, um, and um, another guy, Rob... Caprioli has also left as well. So, um, yeah, a bit of a shake-up going on. I'm not sure the market's going to um, reward them quite so soon with, uh, with any kind of uh, positive um, feelings because um, the share price has dropped from around a high earlier this year of around 6 bucks to uh, four sixty. So it's not been a great performer by any stretch of the imagination. So they have had their problems. But AMP's had problems for years. It's never been a good performer. No, AMP's never been a good performer. I think, you know, it's a, it's a bit, um, um, if I had to be mean, it's a bit civil service-like. Um, and, you know, the, the, a lot of people have been there for a long, long, long time. Um, they get very entrenched. They get very entrenched in the way they do things. Um, and, you know, there's lots of nimble, um, innovative financial services companies sneaking up behind them and chipping away at their business. Mm. So, um, yeah, life insurance is not an easy game, and they've had big losses there, $1.2 billion worth of losses and write-downs announced last month. So, yeah, it's not not particularly nice. Mm -hmm. And 
something that is going quite well is Fortescue Metals bought has bought their uh, which is I didn't even know they were doing this. Um, but they, oh, they've I didn't bought actually. yeah, they've bought a boat and they go well a bit carrier probably not a boat and it's not for twiggy to sail in it's actually to uh uh transport their own iron ore across to uh, china and wherever yeah this is they've bought their own boat it's the fmg nicola and uh this is to compete i guess and and show that they are now um, a bona fide big boy company um so they bought their own um um, basically bulk carrier to, to ship their iron ore concentrate over to China, much like BHP and Rio does. Um, and, you know, they can say probably they're no longer the upstart. Uh, the FMG Nicola is named after Andrew Forrest's wife. Um, so, yeah, they, it's, um, they're, they're looking at uh, expanding the fleet, and they cost 65 million bucks US each, and they carry about 260,000 tons of iron ore, and they're hoping to have eight of these. So they'll be able to dig it up, put it on a train, take it to their own port, stick it on their own ship, mm-hmm. and, stick it and ship it over to China. So um, from, uh, from woe to go, the whole, uh, whole production mm. uh, would be very impressive, I guess. And it's definitely not an upstart. Uh, not anymore, no, yeah. no. It's been a massively successful Australian uh, story. It's been, it's been fantastic, really. Yes, yeah. And something that's, that was going to be fantastic that's turning out not to be so fantastic is the three LNG plants in uh, in Gladstone. They're now, they're now saying they're struggling because of the low LNG prices. Yeah, well, I guess last night's OPEC meeting is going to help that somewhat. Um, we did see a big bump up in the oil price last night, which will ultimately flow through to LNG pricing. So um, that's a positive. Um, I guess the problem, they've got a lot of the, um, the, the gas is already contracted to go overseas at um, various different rates, um, and there are some commentators saying that they will never really get to full capacity because they won't be able to find enough gas um, locally to do that. So it's a bit of a concern. There's also some other concerns in the LNG market with uh, Scott Morrison launching an inquiry into the, the petroleum rent resource tax, the PRRT, um, which affects the Northwest Shelf and various other LNG providers who um, pay a, a kind of a rental um, to uh, to extract this gas, and they haven't been paying very much of it. So um, there is going to be some pressure, I suspect, on the sector. But today, everybody is cheering OPEC. So at the moment, all the uh, all the oil and gas companies are doing doing very well. Santos is up 12. 0.6% as we speak. Woodside up nearly 6%. Also up 10%. Origin up 7.5%. So, yes, it's, it's going pretty well, but they have got some issues down the track. Mm. And something that's not going too well, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> disaster would be, yeah. be a better description, um, yeah. is, is Wellard, which, which is only, has that made it, has that been on the market for a year yet? I, I, uh, I don't think it has, actually. No, I think no. it's, um, it's certainly been one of the most unsuccessful floats. Um, it was floated last December, so it's coming up for its anniversary, hit a dollar forty-four at one stage. Um, currently trading, I think, around uh, nineteen cents. Um, they've had some serious um, issues in the boardroom. Oh, it's twenty-one cents. Sorry, I'm telling porkies. Um, but they've had some serious issues. There's a, a Pakistani businessman called Tariq Butt who holds um, about fourteen percent of the company, and he has uh, been selling down. He tried to get some uh, some more board representation but um, failed and is selling some shares. So 
it's it's had some serious problems this this company over the last year they've had board spills protest votes uh, profit downgrades all sorts of things so it's not been a um not been a nice and, story. And, this is live export trade to China. And management trying to get themselves a lot of some bonuses, at the, bonus options at the AGM. It was outrageous. Yeah. <laughs> it's not bad for a stock that's gone from $1.40 to 21 cents. <laughs> Give yourself a pat on the back. Give yourself a bonus oh, for that guy. Amazing. He's done an extraordinarily yeah. good job. Just amazing. And Stephen Pritchard, we're in our market update with Henry Jennings. Uh, Henry, just before we go on, um, so Christmas is coming up. And uh, for, those, for those people who are difficult to buy for, um, yes. is Marcus today got anything they can uh, <laughs> well, use they can, to get? Uh, they can sign up for a free trial, but certainly, uh, you know, we get a rush of uh, new subscribers at Christmas as people uh, look to give something that's going to keep on giving, I guess, throughout the year. So uh, it's a good Christmas present for those people that uh, manage their own money or, uh, or are looking to manage their own money or just interested in the stock market in general. Yes, and they can hear from you every week. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. And Medicare. Medicare is predicting. Uh, Medibank. Sorry, Medibank's predicting the revenue is going to be below expectations for the uh, first four months of the year. Yeah, I um, I actually chatted to Craig Drummond, the new CEO of of Medibank, yesterday on TV because I do a spot on Sky every week. And I've got to say, I'm not particularly impressed with. I mean, the whole sector is a bit on the nose at the moment, mainly because we see massive increases in in costs of healthcare. Um, in terms of the private insurance premiums, but we don't actually see a lot of benefit, and there's a lot of churn going on, and a lot of people are looking at their health, um, their private health insurance, and questioning whether they should uh, sort of ratchet it down. And certainly, these are the comments that were coming out of uh, uh, Medibank and Craig Drummond yesterday. He's only just recently taken the job, and he, you know, when people are now talking about Medibank as a turnaround story. Whereas, you know, kind of it was supposed to be a cost-out story yeah. when it floated rather than a turnaround story and a three-year strategy to turn the business around. Um, you know, I think if, you, if you're putting your product prices up by 6% every year um, when wages are going up by very little, um, you know, people are justifiably looking at the cost of private health insurance and questioning it. And you can see that in the number of people that are actually in private health insurance has dropped again. Um, and they've had sort of 2 to 3% drop-off in membership as well. So, you know, I don't think it's really a space that I'd, you know, apart from the yield, we had it in one of our portfolios, but actually sold it after the comments from Craig Drummond yesterday. So not, not a massive fan of the, um, of the sector. Mm-hmm. And did he give any forecasts for the future there? Or? Um, only that, um, you know, things are going to be pretty steady. I mean, he did see uh, a bit of a... Uh, Aristocrats looking for acquisitions now. <laughs> they've got a they've got a truckload of money. Yes. Um, the uh, the CEO who's done a fantastic job, uh, Jamie O'Dell, um, is leaving and passing the baton over. Um, but they've made some uh, some big acquisitions in the past, especially in the US, and they're continuing to look for acquisitions, especially in the digital 
gaming space, which, um, of course, a whole new generation of people are playing online or on Facebook or whatever. Um, so, you know, it, it's, a, it's a great story. It's not one that I would ever um, really buy. I'm not sure I'm a, I could, with my conscience, buy a pokey machine uh, maker. Um, I hate things, but um, there are a lot of people that like the stock and uh, can be quite happy to close their eyes, and it has been a particularly impressive performer. Oh, yeah, yeah people, a lot of people make a lot of money, but, but it's one, one of the stocks we've always not, yeah. Yeah. Yes, like cigarette companies to an extent. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people that run ethical funds, and, and we try to be as ethical as possible, um, and with, with, the, with the money that we run for people, and, um, you know, it's not something that we would touch, but a lot of people have made yep. a lot of money out of it. And then uh, ANZ, ANZ's concerned about a property oversupply now. Uh, about a property oversupply. Um, I think the world and his wife is concerned about the property oversupply, and we've had you know, one or two uh, bank chiefs. I think we had the Bank of Queensland saying the same thing yesterday. Um, everybody's very concerned, I guess, about this supposed glut in apartments. Um, you know, the ANZ guy who I watched on um, Reuters, there was had a Reuters event yesterday, and the ANZ <laughs> guy was on it, and he's he's very personable. He seems to be very um, very human compared to um, the other three bank chiefs. Yep. Um, he seems to be heading in the right direction. He doesn't seem either to be someone that shirks about taking the, the bold and brave decisions. He certainly reversed that Asian strategy, which uh, Mike Smith pushed for so many years. Um, and they are—they don't seem to be shy in, in you know, in uh, swallowing, um, swallowing their pride and admitting they made a mistake. So mm. uh, I think you know he's, he's he's doing a relatively good job. And of course, um, plenty of people warning about the housing bubble, apartment supplies, you name it. Um, but they have been for some time. Yeah, it's all just going. We're just going to wake up one day and prices will be down twenty percent in those apartments. I reckon. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess you know, with um, with property, unlike stocks and shares, I mean, stocks and shares go up and down on a daily basis, and they and they're what they call mark to market. So your portfolio goes up and down on a daily basis, whereas property is is somewhat different in that um, it only ever gets revalued effectively um, when you sell it. Um, although there are some banks that if the property market was to collapse and you didn't have enough equity, um, they would force you to have sort of like a margin call, um, which would be interesting to put more money in. So mm. that, that would create a cascading effect. But people can choose to hold on for a long time and just uh, continue to get the, um, the income from the rental and the tax benefits from mm. the negative gearing. Mm. Mm. That's right. And, um, and JB Hi-Fi was going to go into... Uh, selling appliances through their JB Hi-Fi stores and, and now they're, they're encountering difficulties in uh, in that. I mean, I think this is the same issue about with, with Dick Smith, you know, when you said they were selling toasters. I mean, I'd never think of going to JB Hi-Fi to buy a washing machine. No, well, I, I think that's, that's the thing. Um, and they've put sort of a pause on their home ambitions, which is the store that was going to do it. They're, they're sort of 59 home stores. I guess the thing going in JB Hi-Fi's favour is that they bought the good guys. Yep. And that acquisition uh, was for nearly $900 million, and that has completed earlier than they thought, so they're going to get the benefit of Christmas. So I guess when you think of appliances, you do think of the good guys. The good guys, guys yep. Um, and so maybe that's where they're going to differentiate the businesses and maybe fold the 59 home uh, JB Hi-Fi stores into good guys, um, and so that will be the the point of difference. You go and buy.
buy your washing machine at Good Guys, and you go and buy your laptop or your, your iPod. Well, or whatever. well, I mean, it's a reverse. Okay. It's a reverse analogy there. I wouldn't have think of going to Good Guys to buy the the the, no. the, the television or the stuff. So, no. so yeah. Yeah, it yeah, makes it, strategic sense, though. It does make strategic sense, and there was, you know, there was a, it does seem to be a lot of sense with them, them buying the good guys. It does give them another leg up in uh, in their growth, and it does give them that, um, that differentiation, I guess, in, in terms of branding, and I don't think they're going to make the same mistakes that Dick Smith did. Um, and one <laughs> thing to close on, which, which company seems to be full of mistakes, Surf Stitch seems to... <sighs> it's just... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's poor old surf stitch. I mean, they, they started out, um, uh, I live on the northern beaches of Sydney, and they started out on the northern beaches in a little uh, shop with a warehouse in Monoville and did exceptionally well um, for a while and then have sort of crashed and burnt, much, I guess, like Billabong did. They haven't fallen into the same trap um, that Billabong did completely, but certainly they have spent a lot of money on things which really and truly is kind of stepping away from their knitting. So instead of just sponsoring um, content online and, and you know, uh, um, extreme sports and surfing, etc., they actually bought um, the companies that, uh, that do the content and try to do the content themselves, which has cost them a lot of money. Um, there has been a, um, a bid lobbed at the company by a mob called Crescent Capital. Um, and, um, yeah, no, it's, it's not a good story. They're 16-odd cents. Um, I think the bid's around 18 or 19 or something from memory. But um, they've, they've said no to it. But um, you can't help feeling that at some stage this is going to um, um, not, not, not end well. Yes. Okay. Well, we might, <laughs> we, might, we might see what happens in the next two weeks and we might have a good ending to the year, hopefully. Henry. Yes, we will. Well, I hope so. I think, uh, I think with uh, present mood and with this OPEC deal done, we could see Santa come this year. Um, although we have had uh, quite a, a large rise already, but we'll see. Okay. Thanks, Henry. Sure. Speak to you next Thanks. week. Thanks, Stephen. Bye. Bye. And uh, if you've got a burning question you'd like to put to Stephen, give us a call, 49216216. Otherwise, though, Stephen, there have been some uh, changes legislated to uh, self-managed uh, super funds. Uh, well, it's not only self-managed super funds, it's all... Um, all uh, superannuation? all superannuation funds. Mm-hmm. Um, but but um, self-managed superannuation funds, because the trustees have actually got to do a bit of work themselves, I thought we might just flag some of the things you, you need to look at because a lot of these changes come in um, on the 1st of July 2017 and there's some things that have to be done there. Now, the the big thing, that, which is the controversial thing, that, that the amount that's, that's going to be in the pension account is, is going now going to be uh, capped at $1.6 million. So what that means is that if you've currently got a self-managed superannuation fund um, or, or any superannuation fund for that matter, um, the, the amount over 1.6 million is going to be moved from the pension account back into the accumulation account. So do you have to do that yourself? Yes. Okay. Well, not if you're a... Inst- not if you're a uh, public offer type fund. That, oh, of course. That, okay, they'll, they'll so they'll that. do it for they'll, you. I'll <laughs> do that for you. Um, and so what this means is that the pension account balance will still remain, the earnings on that will still remain to be uh, tax-free, but, but the accumulation account will go back to earning, paying tax at 15%. So so that, that will mean that some funds that are currently not paying tax will start to pay tax in the future. Now, one of the things you need to consider, and, and this, is, this is, you know, you've got six months to do that, but you know, you've got Christmas, so it'll soon nothing's going to be done to February. Um, so, 
there's various assets in the fund that may have to be switched from the accumulate from the pension fund to the accumulation account. So and specific assets are Yeah, okay. that's this is one way you can do it. There's a couple okay. of ways you can do it. But even if you're not using specific assets, even if you're gonna to go to the other method and use an actuarial certificate, you have to come up with a value for these assets. And as as a concession you're not going to you don't have to use your original cost. You can use a valuation, a current valuation when you switch the assets. So what 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 the advantage of this is if you've got presently say um, some shares in um, your your pension phase fund that's going to become taxable in the future, you can you can instead of using the original cost base, you can use the ba- the date of the the balance the restated cost base at the date you switch them to the accumulation account now that's fine for listed securities and unit trusts but where you've got where you've got um, real estate you're going to have to get a valuation so that means um, you know you're going to have to get a, a register value to come out and value the thing and um, that's all going to take time to do so you need to start thinking now if you've got property in your real estate or other stuff that's not readily valued on a market, um, how we're going to value these assets to move back, and that's going to form part of the cost base. Now, this is quite a big concession. Um, it's quite a big concession. Otherwise, you'd be paying tax back on the original um, cost rather than the current market value. So what happens if you have a large property and it's more than $1.6 million and, um, and I'm sure this doesn't happen very uh, much. Yeah, it does happen. Yeah, uh, yeah I know what you're going. Yeah, you, still, you should still get a valuation on that because you, what you, you're either going to, you're probably going to use the actuarial method, which is the national division of the fund. Uh, so some of the profit on the sale of that property will be um, um, taxable in some way. So you still want to restate the cost base upwards. So um, you can't keep half of the house in your super fund and the other half well, out. You, you, know, you don't have to take it out the super fund. <laughs> okay. You just nationally divided in the fund itself. I like notions. Right, right. so good. you need to nationally divide that fund between the two type of accounts. Right. But you need to restate the cost base, particularly if the cost base is now higher than what you originally paid. Yes. So there's there's there's, there's a bit of work to to be be done on that. Um, the other thing is the contribution rules are changing. Um, so the current year we've still got the old contribution rules. Um, so, so from the the first of the seventh, um, the maximum deductible contribution or concessional contribution uh, is going to be twenty five thousand dollars, and the non concessional which drops from some people don't change, but some drop from thirty five to twenty five. Um, the non concessional is going to drop from one hundred and eighty to eight to one hundred. Uh, which is means the additional money you can put in uh, and not get a tax deduction for, and the bring forward concession where you can presently put in five hundred and forty thousand dollars of concessional money will drop to three hundred thousand. For those, so, so for those persons who are wanting to make uh, large contributions to super, um, you need to do your maths and work out whether you need to put in five hundred and forty thousand this year, or you're only going to put for three hundred in, which 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 you can do still oh, do I next see. year. So, so there's a fair bit of planning to do for people in funds and those approaching retirement in the next six months. Mm, and yes. don't leave it to the end of May. <laughs> Thank you, Stephen Pritchard. It is a Thursday finance for today. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. 
You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.